Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key. And friendships are made to last a lifetime. Did you get him? <laughs> you think we got him? You think we got him? <laughs> got him. <laughs> All right, Skylar, what do we got here? to season two women of the wild podcast we would like to first start off by thanking our title sponsors for the 2024 year atlantic coral enterprise one of the largest import dealers in the world with excellent quality for hides skulls shells and amazing gifts for friends and family or even your household you can find them at atlanticcoralenterprise.com rm calls often imitated never duplicated You've blown theirs, now blow ours. American-made duck calls made with high-quality single-read and top-of-the-line materials, fine-tuned by the best turd polisher in the business. Not tooting our own horn, just blowing our own calls. You can find them at rmcustomcalls.com or on Instagram. We also have Rhino Land Safaris, providing exceptional quality with unmatched hospitality and cuisine, offering African safaris, a destination hunt, for the avid rifle or bow hunter with some of the best trophy management South Africa has to offer. You can find them at rhinoland.co.za or on Facebook, Instagram. Hey everyone, Andy Lehman here from ACC Crappie Sticks. Just want to let you know about our crappie baits and jig heads. We have a wide selection of the hottest colors and big eye crappie jig heads in the most popular colors and sizes. Check them all out at acccroppysticks.com. Thank you. And now for today's episode, we hope you enjoy. Hi there. Welcome back to season two Women of the Wild podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Marie, and I am here today with Andrea Grangroff. She is an amazing woman in the outdoors, and I'm going to let her tell her story, but this girl is out there just crushing the outdoors, guiding, business owner, photography, all of that, and that's what we're going to dive into for this week's episode. So Andrea, I'd like to say hello, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Felicia. It's so great to uh, just get on here and chat and I keep playing over what you said earlier is glow brighter together and I really hope this conversation that we have today can inspire somebody to get out there and do a solo hunt to focus on mental health to chase their dreams whatever it may be um, so I'm excited to see where the conversation takes us. Absolutely. And I have to, I can't take credit for that saying. Jennifer Dumbs with Proas actually did a pheasant hunt once and she had made a comment regarding that of 
like each other's flames and glowing brighter together. And it resonated so deep with me because it's so true. But I am absolutely excited to have you on. I think you are such an inspirational person on so many levels. And I would love I would love to first start off with like letting our listeners kind of learn about you. So can you tell us, you know, how you got into the outdoors, maybe how you grew up and like, what got you to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on the West Coast, really small town, and we were really reliant off the land. We were hunters, fishers, gatherers. We had a giant garden with every fruit and vegetable possible. We had pear trees, apple trees, uh, grape vines. We hunted for Roosevelt elk, black-tailed deer. We fished on the Columbia River in the summers for steelhead and salmon. And we just grew up outside. Like all of my special memories from growing up, they're not inside. They were outside running around, learning from the land. Fingernails always had dirt underneath them. Our feet were always calloused in the summertime. It's what we knew. It was a way of life. And it gives me a a perspective with some of these people who didn't grow up that way, where it was like, I, I really am so fortunate to have that upbringing to be able to know where my food comes from. Mom used to always tell us, hey, go grab some corn from the from the garden or go grab some potatoes or you know, go down to the freezer and grab some of that steelhead or some of some of that elk. And as a kid, you're just like, Yeah, cool, this is awesome. But <laughs> as we get older, it's like, wow, yeah, we worked so hard for all of that. And I have a pretty in-depth story, so I don't really want to go down too many rabbit holes. Uh, but sure. essentially that's what I knew growing up. That's the life I'm living today. And I'm, I'm really trying to strive towards, you know, being as sustainable as I can. I don't have a garden now, but that's like, you know, a goal for within the next year or two to be able to have a garden and grow some of my own vegetables. And um, obviously I'm a hunting guide. I hunt as much as I can. I would love to get out and do some like fishing in Alaska or go back to the West coast, but just being able to sustain myself as much from the land is definitely a top priority in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that self-sustainability is something that is almost like a lost trade anymore. And I think that especially after like COVID hit, I feel like a lot of people have like found that and found like, like the amount of hunters getting out there. It's just like, to me, that's a really important factor in my life as a single mom of two boys, like as self-sustainable as possible, not buying your meat in a grocery store. So I completely can understand that. And like for your childhood to grow up that way, you're like, man, mom's onto something here. Mm-hmm. It's when I think back to childhood, it was it's just this like paradise, like, oh, we would run around bare feet in the grass. <laughs> and uh, in the summer I would go and I'd, oh, I want a smoothie today. So I'd go pick some strawberries and be like, I'll have a strawberry raspberry smoothie. And it's like, oh, I want some green beans for lunch. I'm going to go pick some. There was always an abundance of food that we, and with that came the chores, right? We had to weed the gardens. We had to water all the plants. We had to pick the berries. Mom didn't have time to pick the berries. I'm from a family of 14. So mom was very busy keeping the household going you know, keeping her flower beds going, mowing her lawn. And so in the summertime, every other day, we would have to go down to the raspberries and pick the raspberries. Then we'd have to go pick the strawberries. And then mom would send us out down the road to go pick the wild blackberries that grew everywhere. And our hands always had some sort of color on them from some sort of fruit or vegetable we were picking. And it's such, like when I think about it, 
like a warm, fuzzy, just happy memories of, you know what, that's like, if I ever have children, that is exactly how I want them to live. Like to feel so connected to something that's so much bigger than we will ever understand is pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it's funny. And I, I kind of chuckled there for a minute because that's some of my favorite moments with my kids is we'll go pick the asparagus in the ditches. We'll go pick the wild raspberries. And one of my fondest memories with my kids to this day, like we still do a lot of crazy things, but I remember we used to, before the school bus, we'd go out and pick the wild onions and the ramps and look for morel mushrooms, you know, pick the apples from the tree or go pick the raspberries. And it's a piece of childhood that I don't think a lot of people got to experience. So I think it's a blessing to have that. And I nowadays, I think kids are so plugged into social media, into television that I absolutely love when I hear people talk about that, that that's how they want to raise their kids. Because I feel that that's like the missing piece to our society anymore is like the work ethic and the effort and the reward, even like when it comes to harvesting an animal to have that reward that you have now fed your family and you worked so hard for it. And I mean, there's work to it in every aspect to, to find where that animal's at how hard you know you had to practice whether it's with your rifle your bow like there's a lot of effort that is in that and it provides for the family it floors me that people are okay with just plopping on the couch watching tv all the time because you living your life is things like that it's found in the outdoors 100%. absolutely yes absolutely so what would you say is like your your drive that you have today like where that came from in what your like mission passion is in life? It's a loaded question, Felicia. <laughs> I don't know if you, I'm sure you've seen, uh, I previously wrote a book. So I'm a newly published author yes. of an autobiography called What's Her Wild? An Untold Story. And so it's basically a story of me being born up to now at 32 years of age. And crazy enough, last winter, I was in Sheridan, Montana, and we were at a brewery and it was like the day before my birthday. And this old gentleman just wanted some company and he came down and sat to us, sat next to us and he was asking us what we did for work and we were telling him and my boyfriend Sean was like, oh yeah, she's she's working on a book. She's going to be a published author. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, what's your book? What's your book about? And I said, oh, it's an inspirational memoir. And he like sits up in his seat. He leans across the table and he goes, huh. tell me what you have experienced in your little 32 years of life. That is so inspirational. Oh my goodness. And I looked right at him and I said, well, I grew up in a fundamentalist cult. I was sexually abused by my brother. And guess what? Nature was the one thing that healed me. So I suppose I've been through a thing or two. And I think as a society, we have become so disconnected with the power that nature holds, not only to heal us, but to also teach us and to give us confidence. And it costs no money and it's everywhere. And it makes us better human beings. And so that was just another affirmation for me in that moment to be like, yes, Drea, like you need to get this book written and you need to get it out into the hands of people. And I have received nothing but heartwarming, phenomenal feedback from everyone that has read it. And I guess to to give you a little bit of more history on my background and what that book is all about is, yes, I grew up in a like a very fundamentalist cult. So like my childhood, yes, it was so, it was, it was like a paradise, right? Living in the West coast, it's the rainforest. So many great memories of running around outside, harvesting from the land, but we all have struggles. We all have trauma. We all have our story. And unfortunately, or I shouldn't say unfortunately, because it's made me who I am today. 
but one of my brothers sexually abused me several times as a girl, roughly between like 10 and 12 years old. And so I don't remember my life very much between like 12 and 16 years old. I was living in a state of fight or flight. You know, I never felt safe at home. But what I do remember is going to the forest behind the house or going to the creek or going to the pond somewhere in nature. And I would just sit. My heart would calm. And soon I felt like safe. I felt grounded. I felt like I was part of something so much bigger. And as I got older and I, you know, started doing solo honey and people would always be like, how do you do that? That's so scary. You go out in the mountains all by yourself. And I'm like, this is what I know. You've got to be careful out there. But nature is that one thing that has really taught me. It's, it gave me confidence as a young girl when I was completely lacking any of it, you know, and it taught me a lot about myself. And as I got older, I started realizing as when I had the, the mental capacity to start piecing things together that it makes me feel really good to go out by myself and just look for animals or to go out by myself and hike a mountain or to go with family or friends. But there was something special about spending time alone in wild places and memories started coming back that I had forgotten for years. And, you know, fast forward to you know, rock bottom and realizing, oh, I need to like, because I didn't tell anyone for 15 years about my abuse because mm -hmm. of the religion I grew up in and the sheltered lifestyle I grew up in. And so once I left that behind and started seeing a therapist, it was like, whoa, you need to share your story with the world because this is very clearly an issue in the world. Like the amount of people that I know that have suffered some sort of trauma is heartbreaking. And now even more so the people who have reached out to me after I have published this book that I don't even know, but they're like, Hey, I resonate with your story. And so anytime I'm having a bad day or anytime I'm doubting anything I'm going on, like that's what I wake up every day telling myself, like, you need to, you need to own your story. You need to own who you are and what you've been through because yeah, it was, it's not an okay thing and it's wrong and we need to talk about it and bring awareness. But without having gone through any of that, I wouldn't be who I am today, right? And I wouldn't be able to help inspire other people. And so I'm huge, like my purpose in life, I feel like is to share wild places with others, whether that's through guiding, whether it's through a, a book, whether it's through these podcasts, whether it's through Instagram posts or women's hunts or clinics that I put on because I know what it's like to, to be completely broken down and to have no confidence and to feel completely terrified, like living in a state of fight or flight. But the only thing, the one thing that saved me in my childhood and has gotten me where I am today is wild places. So yeah, and I have to in, like incredibly commend you. You gave me goosebumps during that because like you said, everybody's been through something. The severity of it may not match, but how we handle things doesn't match either. And like, that's a completely traumatic event that kind of go, like you said, that fight or flight and you almost get like, I don't want to call it a, I guess it is. It's a PTSD about it. And um, it puts you, everybody handles that differently too. So what that looks like of blocking pieces out of negative things. And I think that so many women and, and probably men too, have been through some sort of traumatic event that by you sharing your story and especially like the severity of the story, I think is a really important, I just have to commend you on it because I don't feel that a lot of people are willing to talk about their struggles 
and be so raw and honest. And I think that what you're doing is helping so many people that are are willing to read the book or willing to listen to you and the experience that they're going to have in life through learning through other people's journeys. Like that's the only way for us to kind of heal sometimes is to talk about it with somebody who's been through something that that we've been through. And it just, I really have to commend you because it's not something you see anymore. Social media is always about like, you know, the pile of pictures and like the happiness and all this stuff, but you're just real and you're honest. And it, I have to say, I just, I think that you are one of the most inspirational people that I've ever encountered. And I know like just, what was it last week, you did a post on social media. And by the time this aired, it was in early December that you had done this post, but it was such a raw post that it like stopped me in my tracks of everything that I was doing to just, I was compelled to listen, to listen to your story. And it, we talked about this before we started recording of just, if you can do one thing that educated or inspired one person, just one it served its purpose. And I have to say that to me told beyond a shadow of a doubt in anyone's mind has to tell you that that what you're doing matters and it's inspirational and it will change people's lives by you sharing your journey. Thank you, Felicia. I, I definitely agree. And I, I, I know it firsthand when I first started my healing journey, I decided, you know what, I, I've, I haven't had any confidence my entire life, but I'm going to use this and I'm going to talk about it. And the more I talked about it, the more people I started realizing that we're within my own little circle have gone through the same thing. And half of these people had never told anybody. I was the mm-hmm. first person these people told. And I'm so proud of those people because I'm in touch with them today. Some of my really good friends and we're there for each other for the ups and downs. And they have made huge strides in their healing. And it, it just like, it makes us such a better society. And I believe that we as a species, we're not meant to do any of this alone, right? Mm-hmm. Like no one, we can't ever do any of this alone. We need support, you know, and there's so much power and vulnerability. Vulnerability can be so insanely hard, mm-hmm. so powerful and so beautiful that if we could all just choose to be a little bit more vulnerable. And I mean, I fall fault to it too. Like I had a rough morning and I had some tears and I took a couple videos and I was like, I should post it and like say something. But like my instant response was like, people are probably getting tired of seeing me so like raw on here. And people are probably going to like not actually want to support me for what I'm trying to do. And I'm like, then I go back and forth of like, Drea, don't let that stop you, you know, like, you know, but it's, it's tough because all you see on there is the highlight reel, you know, and anytime I see somebody putting some vulnerability out there, I, I do my best to try and connect with them because the world needs more of it. Yes. It's a, a whole new level of bravery that I think you're right. This, that's what the world needs. We need to be able to talk about those things. And it's not something that you should have to hide and, and shelter from people. And I think, I think by being that person, by taking that initiative, by showing that vulnerability, you're opening so many doors for yourself, for other people, that connection, like you said, but giving other people that safe space that they have somebody now that they can confide in and have that conversation and heal together or for them to find their healing journey like yours is through the outdoors and what you're doing is extremely inspirational and I just I have to commend you on that because like you said it's all the highlight reel nobody sees the pain the suffering and nobody's being vulnerable nobody's nobody's brave enough to have that conversation publicly and it speaks magnitude and volumes of who you are as a person and what you're trying to do and 
helping other people as well. And it's a big thing behind my brand, Rich Patrol. It's clothing for women. I have seen the confidence these ladies possess when they wear our clothes, but it's not just about like having clothing that fits you and is performs. Yes, that's great. That's a huge part of it. But what I want to sort of instill and share with people is because a lot of a lot of the ladies who have bought our clothing already are like new hunters, right? And mm-hmm. so they don't own the Sidka, the Kuyu, whatever. And so they're looking for a clothing line that they want to support, for example, Ridge Patrol. And my story and what I've been through, just like everyone else who wears Ridge Patrol, is really what it's all about. It's, you know, creating the sisterhood of, of women who all come from diverse backgrounds and who all have their own story. And to be able to put these clothes on and go out on, on this venture, whatever it may be, and to really tap into that confidence into like what their story really is and how they can make an impact. And that's why I always try and encourage women who are new to hunting to attend these, whether it's a hunting class, it's a social gathering, or it's an upland hunt, big game hunt, whatever it may be. Because what I have seen through some of these experiences is sometimes the vulnerability really comes out and it's really refreshing to see that. Having grown up with nine brothers and I was always the one in the back every time we went to the back country to hunt or any time we hunted, I was always the one in the back and I was always trying to hold back my emotions because I always felt left out and the, the person in the back and I was always having to try extra hard to keep up. It doesn't happen when you're out in the wild with, with women because our brains are wired the same versus, you know, men is different. And so like, I'm always encouraging women, especially whether they're new or whether they're advanced, this experience could change your life. And you might not harvest an animal. You might make some bad shots on some birds. You might not even kill anything. You know, that's not really what it's about. It's tapping into who you really are because wild places gives us that space. Mm -hmm. I always say mother earth is a a feminine energy. And so she can hold that space. And that is why I've seen in my career as a hunting guide, I have seen grown men cry on the mountain. Mm -hmm. The mountain will break them down and no matter how tough they talk you know it always it always breaks them down because this this mother she has a way of really just kind of putting things into perspective humbling you as well yes uh, putting things into perspective sort of like there's so much more to like what rich patrol is or just what hunting is in general besides the highlight reels and taking selfies with your butt and stuff like that <laughs> Like, I'm not going to fall for any of that. Like, not yeah. having <laughs> I have to say, like, I, I like you always get those men that comment like, oh, you get more likes if you were in a bikini. And it's like, I'm not here to promote my body. I'm here to promote women in the outdoors and what we're doing. Like, block me, unfollow me, like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree. I think that too many people focus on the highlights of life and forget the real meaning like it like you said it's not about the harvest if that's your only reason for going out there and I get it like you have to feed your family it's a meal like you can have the passion that drives you to get out there and go and and be diligent and work harder and practice more or scout more whatever it may be to be more successful but at the end of the day doing these hunts doing these fishing trips or doing you know these backpacking trips or anything in the outdoors 
it's about connection with the outdoors. It's about the connection of who you're sharing it with. If you're out with like a, you know, a women's group or, or something like that, it's about building that sisterhood, that camaraderie, but also just connecting too. I think that like one of my favorite things is when I go up in the mountains and I don't have service because life is so busy and I, I don't know how to shut down. Sometimes the outdoors has its way of it's your time to reset. And that's like the one thing I look forward to the most every year is to get in those mountains and not have service and just do the damn thing. It's the common denominator that all hunters share, right? Some some guys want to go out and harvest a trophy bull. Some guys want to go out and suffer. They want to hike 15 miles out there and go hard, whatever it may be. Some people just want to go sit in a tree stand. But the common denominator that all of us share as hunters is wild places holds a place for us to just be. We have to be present. We got to be present. We got to connect. We got to focus on what's going on. And in the meantime, we forget about everything else. And I actually want to share a story from this year's guide season, a moment in my guiding career and in in my life that I'm always going to reflect to because there were so many takeaways and there were so many so much learning that happened for myself on this five-day guided hunt. And going into this story, I want to say like, no matter how experienced you are as a hunter, no matter how much healing you have done, there's always something to learn and there's always work to be done. And so I was going on, so this was week three of, of archery season here in Montana. So first week of season, hunted uh, with my boyfriend Second week I guided. And so now it was third week. And I actually wrote a blog about this. It's in my profile on my website. So at this point I had done, I'm probably sitting at like close to 130, 140 miles of hiking. And each day you're getting up super early, 3.30. It's archery season. So day the daylight is coming up earlier and just long days. By day three with these clients, I started noticing this negative talk in my head like as we're hiking around you know oh bumped some elk you're an idiot drea but you know like all these negative thoughts were coming through my head and it was getting really hard to not focus on those and just be present right so i was really having a hard time as as a professional guy going on year seven now and growing up hunting like i've I've got a ton of experience but yeah i'm I'm still making mistakes. We all do. And I was having such a hard time not getting sucked into that negative mindset. And it was really starting to affect, affect the week because now I wasn't able to be present. Now I wasn't able to focus on the task at hand of like, okay, how should we move up this ridge? What's the wind doing? You know, what would the elk do in this situation? Because I was a little bit preoccupied with my own negative self-talk. And we got to day five. We hiked up this big drainage and we heard an elk bugle at like six in the morning. It was still dark. It's like, this is awesome. We're going to get in on these elk. We're going to call them in. They're rutting in here. Sure enough, we get up in there and work the drainage up, get up on a ridge, hike back towards where the elk were. And he bugles. Perfect. Let's get let's get set up. We're trying to play the wind. It was kind of right on the crest of a ridge, a north facing slope on one side with timber and a south facing slope. And the wind was just whipping. So we had to stay in the timber, but the wind wasn't good. So we for a couple hours, we tried a couple different strategies of trying to get in close. And we just he shut up. I don't know if they saw us and they walked away or if he couldn't hear us because of the wind or if they were just watching us the whole time. Like, what are these stupid people doing over there? Like, (laughs) 
what was going on. So I'm like, let's get back up on the ridge. We are going to, we're going to get up and above these elk and we're going to get around them on the other side. In the meantime, we see a whole nother herd of elk down in the bottom at like 200 yards away. And I'm like, perfect. And my client said he would shoot a cow. And I said, perfect. Let, we're going to change of plans. We're going to go after these elk. So we drop down, circle around and we start working up and we bust, we bust a herd. And then like that, that negative mind talk is just like, it's coming back and it's just playing over and over. And I'm just being hard on myself and I'm trying to move through it. And I'm like, okay, well then it starts pouring down rain. So we set up shelter i get the tarp up we we put a fire going everyone's really tired this is day five you know we we were doing first day of that hunt we did 15 miles and each day we were doing close to 10 so like starting to feel the effects everyone's tired it's the last day we just want to push it through the end and try and get an opportunity on an animal the storm clears we get up to the top of the ridge and we hike the spine up to the spot we call joe's camp where uh boss her brother years ago created the spot called Joe's camp. He has these, this really nice fire pit and he has these little like cooling racks stuffed into the rock. So you can put burgers, brats or whatever, and cook them over the fire. He's got this big windbreak built between the trees, big boulders to sit on. And it was a really cold, like wet day up high in the mountains. It was snowing, but where we were, it wasn't quite snowing yet. It was raining. And so we were happy to just sit around a fire and warm up and have lunch. And after a couple hours, you know, I'm, I'm doing my job as a guide. I'm making sure to glass and I'm sitting off to the side and I, I see this big bull, big six by six coming through with like 20 cows and they're running. I'm like, my first thought is he's pushing his cows we gotta go you know like there it's it's rut season and so we gear up as soon as we take off I am in the zone and I am feeling so confident I am feeling dialed in and we're working our way there's fresh tracks fresh scat everywhere and I'm like they've been in here he's been pushing the cows through here this is this is where we want to be we're going to come head to head with these elf the wind's perfect we get up right where we're supposed to be but for some reason, I I look I decide to look at my onyx and I look at it and I say, oh man, Drea, you messed up. Those elk were actually way around this ridge and across this drainage over on this other meadow. So I tell my clients, I'm like, hey guys, I'm so sorry, but we actually have to keep going. This isn't where we're supposed to be. And we just climbed up 500 feet. And so we start going back down. We start, we cross this drainage. We start side hilling through all this thick blowdown. And we're going, we're going. And we come to this meadow and we're glassing, making sure nothing's in there. And my client's like, hey, Dre, isn't this like where those elk were? I was like, nah, no, it's further up here. So focused on like where I thought they were. And so we get up to that point. And as soon as we got to the crest of the ridge and I looked out and it was this giant basin of just super steep timbered cliffy mountainside, I was, I instantly knew that I messed up and I was so pissed at myself. I was like, Drea, you just ruined this hunt for these clients. It's the very last day. If you would have just slowed down a little bit and like maybe made a waypoint where, where the elk were when you first saw them and like chilled out. And I, as a guide, most of the time, I want the animal more than my client does. Mm -hmm. and so sometimes that is not good versus like in this case. And I was like, yeah, you were right. That's where the elk were. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, we got to we gotta go back. And they're like, it's okay. We can catch up. And it's like, you can't ever catch up with elk. Those elk were long gone out of there. When I seen them, they were chasing this herd. But leading up 
to hunting season, I was going through um, some hard times with like some family and stuff and everything just kind of started to progress, you know, with each week of season. By week three, the mountain had completely broken me down to the point where I completely failed my clients. I failed myself. Like I was so caught up in the height, like the, the heightened emotion. And I tell you what, that come down was rough. We were walking. There's no way we were going to get back on those all. And so like, we just started working our way back to what we call Joe's camp. And I'm sitting here like tears coming down my face. And I'm like, Drea, you got to be strong. Drea, you got to be professional. Drea, don't be that guide. Drea, you just ruined their hunt. You know, like the self negative self-talk. I just could not get out of my head about it because of a simple mistake I made that any one of us could make in the field. But it was one of those things where I was having, I was having uh, some stuff come up in my personal life that I wasn't addressing and the mountain brought it out in me. And I said, hey, Drea, you need to just put things in a perspective. It was like, hey, here's what you need to deal with. And you're never going to win when you're on the mountain if your head's not right. Like gave me a huge slice of humble pie and I bawled my eyes out in front of those clients and we had a moment on the mountain where I was just because I was avoiding looking at them because I was just sitting there I was so mad at myself and they're like Dre are you okay and I was like no and I just started <laughs> crying I'm like oh my gosh I've ruined it for sure now and they're like Dre it's okay Dre we didn't come here to kill an elk we came here to spend quality time together to learn some country to learn how all of this works. It's been a phenomenal week. You're a very great guide. You know what you're doing. We've had the best week, Drea. We've been in animals every day. We've seen beautiful country. We've moved our bodies. And like hearing them share that perspective, I was just like, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. Like get out of your head about messing up this hunt. And you know, I go back and I tell the boss and she's like, Drea, we all do that. It's no big deal. And I'm just like, well, why did I have to cry so much about it? You know, but it was was just you know it, it happens and it was uh it was one of those moments for me where the mountain is always where I can find my answers wild places on a mountainside is really the place for me and for everyone it's different but for me that's where I uh I'm humbled real quick and I'm grounded and it's like, okay, this is a reset. Now I'm good to go. Yeah. And I like, I'll have to say, I, I always tell clients like it, nature will win if you let it. But if you have that positive mindset, like you can conquer it. And yeah. like you said, in a situation where you start second guessing yourself, the best thing as a guide to do or a hunter in that situation is to take a minute and reassess and bring back that positive state of mind because people don't give being positive enough credit. Like it really is a change of the game for everything. Like luck only gets you so far. There's still skill and everything else that's got to get you there. But being positive and it's so much more pleasant. Like you're going to enjoy the little things like you're going to stop and you're going to enjoy those little things that nature has to offer or even that peace between each other that you're out there with a group of hunters and and enjoying their company it gets better because you're not so stuck in your ways stuck in your head but man those mountains they can be brutal and they'll bring out either the best of you or the worst of you and you sometimes you don't even know which until it's happening mm -hmm. absolutely I love that you shared that story um because it is again another very vulnerable piece that 
a lot of people don't get to experience. And it, I think it's a very important attribute to be able to expel some of that release and have that conversation of like, these things happen. Guides have bad days too. Um, you know, whether the animals aren't working the way you want to, or a simple like mistake of judgment, like we're human, we make errors and overcoming and adapting you're the only person that can choose to do that. The mountain's not going to do it for you. Your client's not going to do it for you. Like they might have your back through it, but at the end of the day, we are the ones in control of our behavior and what that outcome is going to be. And it, like you said, it doesn't have to always be a harvest. And if, if at the end of the day, that's the, the moral of it to you, that's fine. But take a second to take a step back and absorb what's happening around you because that's what matters. Yeah, it was really interesting to see the, so I have a film up on our Ridge Patrol YouTube from uh, last year. So 2022 elk hunt we did in Colorado. And the feedback I got was, I was quite surprised by it. Because I, I would say 99% of it was male feedback. And pretty much everyone was like, this is so refreshing to see. Because it's such a, especially the YouTube space, everyone wants to be the top dog. Everyone wants to hike super far. And it's a very like masculine uh, energy around it versus it felt really good to be able to put a film together of these women going out on an elk hunt. And we faced on our challenges and it was more so a story about the sisterhood and the women who were there and how they learned and how they were there for each other you know we're walking along oh careful there's a loose rock oh hey careful there's this versus being like I can't catch up with you slow down (laughs) and it was really refreshing to see the uh, response on there from people being like this is really nice to see because Mm -hmm. I I do agree that it's 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 almost becoming a competitive space and a lot of times I it almost discourages me because I'm like this isn't what hunting's about like growing up we never had social media and we just went out there and we did it and it was awesome we told our friends about it and sometimes our friends were with but it was very personal it was a very intimate experience versus you know now I feel like it it could be almost something that's so glorified and you know but there's the plus side of it too of the conversation we're able to have now and how we're able to inspire and educate but it can be a a fine line of you know what what is this person actually trying to achieve here are they trying to achieve the the likes and the follows or like what you said is can we inspire one person that's really what matters to me yes absolutely I that I think portraying the education, portraying the inspiration, the not focusing on the self-validation, I, I think is something that people tend to overlook on social media, that there are a lot of people out there that are looking for that self-validation, for that self-promotion. But there are so many people in it. It can be a catch-22, a double-edged sword of who's portraying what, who's being real, where it's fake. Like, it's really hard to tell that sometimes. And the the vulnerability in your stories and for many other people that are out there being honest, talking about the misses, talking about the education points, those are the people that I tend to be very drawn towards because it's real content. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what I want to see. I want to I want to know that it's okay that, you know, I've worked my ass off all season and, and had a miss or had a bad shot. And it's it's not it's not a bad thing or 
you know, didn't take the biggest thing or you're shoot, shooting a cow versus a bull or, or a doe versus a buck. Like it's important to share that it like whatever you're doing in the outdoors, as long as it's ethical and you're absorbing something from it, even if there's no harvest involved at all, mm-hmm. it's just a balance that you got to have. And I, I, I think that that what your story compels in that sit in that sense is like everything will be okay when you let it happen and you don't let it overcome you. Absolutely. hundred percent. We're going to run into our mid segment sponsors real quick and we'll be right back. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into Ridge Patrol with Drea. We will now be taking a short break to hear from our mid segment sponsors. Share your love of the outdoors with your little ones through the exciting adventures in Dr. Josh Farr's children's books. As an avid sportsman, Dr. Josh Farr has taken his passion for the outdoors and uses his vivid storytelling to teach valuable lessons and appreciation of the world. Learn the alphabet through the ABCs of hunting. Find joy in exploring the outdoors with Let's Go Out and Play and more. You and your child will love learning about nature with Dr. Josh Farr. See all of his books now at drjoshfarr.com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com. Weeby Knives, a brand of skinning, fleshing, and butchering knives perfect for the hunters, trappers, and fishermen with a unique high-quality knife for animals of all shapes and sizes. You can find them and more information at WeebyKnives.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stonehouse Digital Consulting, elevate your small business with Stonehouse's expert marketing solutions. Ignite your online presence and thrive with a tailored strategy to drive your growth. You can find them and more information at StonehouseDigitalConsulting.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Livingston County Pheasants Forever, Chapter 465, with a mission to conserve pheasant, quail, and other wildlife through habitat improvements, public access, education, and conservation. You can contribute by joining the meetings on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. at the Howell American Legion Hall on the corner of M59 and Grand River. For more information and to get involved, you can find them at pf465.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Dreamcatcher Charters, a Michigan-based guide service for walleye, sturgeon, and duck hunting with a passion that drives their success, sharing the phenomenal Michigan waterways with everyone. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram. Feather Moon Outdoors, offering calls made from select materials. Every pot is fine-tuned in the house using the highest quality materials available. Also offering diaphragm, slate, glass, grunt calls, and more. For more information, you can find them at feathermooneoutdoors.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stay tuned, more podcasts to come. So welcome back. We are so thankful to have our sponsors for the 2024 year, and I am incredibly blessed to have the opportunity to have Andrea on with us. I am like just floored by you. Um, You are just this phenomenal woman who is out there. You're guiding. You have this business with your with your um, outdoor wear. You have all these different avenues, you know, publishing, having your own book published, having the photography background that you have. We just had a, a beautiful conversation several different avenues of how you grew up in the outdoors and that self-sustainability and, and the vulnerability that you express through your story, through your journey. You're, you're so inspiring. And I know in the beginning of this podcast, 
we we had those mentions of Ridge Patrol. But for our listeners that don't know what Bridge Patrol is or don't know this company, I would love to kind of switch gears and dive into what Ridge Patrol is, what that mission is. Like, I would love to for our listeners to know what you have because you have an amazing product out there for women that I don't know has hit the showcase point that it should have by now. And I agree on that. It hasn't quite hit it, but it we're getting there. Um, so our mission at Ridge Patrol is we believe in empowering women to be comfortable in nature. So to treasure their natural resources, to enjoy moving through the wild, and by doing so, the clothing, the Ridge Patrol clothing, is going to complement their every step. So our biggest thing is creating clothing for women of all body type that's going to keep up with them no matter what trail they take. So maybe they're a cross-country skier. Maybe they're an avid backpacker. Maybe they're an avid hunter. Um, Maybe they just love being outdoors and moving through the wild. Our clothing is going to complement them. It's going to give them the confidence. They're going to feel good. They're going to look good, which is always important. When you look good, you feel good. You have that confidence to go then go to the next ridge to get to the summit and to to push further to be able to give you that that push through your confidence. So I don't get any credit starting up Ridge Patrol. Bevan, she's the founder and the owner of Ridge Patrol. And I actually met her through Rocky Mountain Sportswomen out of Steamboat Springs, Colorado. They are a nonprofit where they um they you know, put together events for women to, to learn about hunting and conservation and fishing. And she was at one of our events. It was a, I think a a snowshoe hike and we met out there and she was looking for women to try on her new prototypes that she had through Ridge Patrol. So I had never heard of Ridge Patrol until my friend Elena, uh, founder of Rocky Mountain or Rocky Mountain uh, Sportswomen, was like, hey, this lady Bevan, she has these clothing, this clothing brand for for women, and she wants us to test them out. And so I literally showed up at her front door and never had met her, but I have was like, this is an opportunity. Let's let's go for it. And if I can give her some perspective on on clothing, you know, being an avid hunter and hunting guide, being short, stocky, like I want to give her my feedback. And we instantly connected and it was awesome. And so I started learning about her story. She didn't grow up hunting. She didn't start hunting until uh, she was in a previous relationship. And, you know, he was an avid hunter and outdoor photographer for like wildlife. And so her first hunts were waterfowl and turkey. And she was wearing Sitka gear. She had to buy it in the men's because she's a more bulky, stronger lady. And so she couldn't find anything that really fit her in the women's field. And she just felt really uncomfortable in the clothing. And, you know, they would get back to the vehicle and would have to like go into town to get food from the store and she would change it to her other clothes because she just didn't feel comfortable. She felt like she was like this walking robot and these clothes that didn't fit her. So she was inspired to make a change for women hunters, um, outdoor women, but it's specifically women hunters to be able to feel good out there and to be able to just you know, take whatever trail they want to go, whether you go into town or whether you're hunting or what it may be, but to feel good and confident in the clothes. So Bevan gets all the credit for starting up Ridge Patrol. I had met her through that meeting of trying on her clothes and pretty much everything was downhill from there where, you know, I was like, hey, I'm a photographer. Hey, I'm going to go do this hunt in Arizona. I can test out, you know, some of your pants for you. And one thing led to the next and I signed on as co-founder. So 
we've been in business. It'll be, it was four years in August and we've been working hard. It's just the two of us. And like, I put a post up on social media today where it's just like, this is why you should support small business because of all these different reasons. And it's not about the money. It's about getting clothes on women that give them that confidence. It always comes back to me for some reason. It's the confidence I see these ladies have when they wear these clothes because they look good. They feel good. The clothes are going to perform. And then the most beautiful thing Ridge Patrol has given all of us is, is the sisterhood. So like I have met so many amazing women through Ridge Patrol, whether they have just purchased something or they've had questions about it, or now they do own our clothing or they ventured out on a hunt, whatever it may be. Um, but that is our goal to, and it will always be our goal is to create clothing for women of all body types, where it doesn't matter what trail you take, the clothing's going to be able to keep up with you. I absolutely love that. And that's a piece to it that I didn't know. And it's, it's very inspiring, especially as a female that is in the outdoors as much as you have. I think you said you're out there, what, 300 days a year? Yeah, exactly. Quite a bit. Yeah. So -hmm. that to me, like you are the embodiment of what these women's lines need to be built around, right? The woman that is like, there's, there's lines that are going to hold up for, you know, the, the hobbyist that's out there, but you are out there like truly putting this gear to the absolute max test and it's holding up. So to me, that's really inspirational of a supporting a women's company is always top in my book. Uh, A lot of these, I know we talked about this previously before we started recording, but a lot of these bigger brands, they veer away from the fundamentals of what a woman's body actually needs. And it's, you know, at, at what point are you just buying a name and you're sacrificing those essential pieces to gear that could ultimately make your hunt more successful? Because to me, the longer that the more comfortable you are in the field, the longer you're going to be out there, the better of a hunt you're going to have. You're going to enjoy it more. You're you're going to probably be more successful. Um, that's always a really big aspect to me is when I'm in the outdoors, I want the gear that's going to push me further. I want the gear that's going to get me there. And I really love that you've teamed up with her, that that you guys have now established this brand that is just hearty and it's out there just kicking ass. And not only are we, we putting the clothes out there for these women, right, to feel good and confident, but something I've been realizing lately is because we have a couple uh, – like really young girls that wear a few items of our clothes, like our shirts, you know, our extra smalls and our fleeces that they fit into. Oh my gosh, they light up like a Christmas tree when they wear it. And it really got me thinking is, yeah, it's about the confidence. It's about the sisterhood, but we're also setting it up for the future generations to come. So whether it's your own kids, your nieces, your nephews, you know, children to come, your kids, your grandkids, whatever it may be, we are setting those girls up for success in the field through Rich Patrol because I've seen it and I, I I know what it what it does. And and so for me that's been like a huge realization within within the last few months, like seeing some of these really young girls in our clothes and how they just light up and it's, you know, supporting our business means so much more than just the dollar sign just getting the money it's like 
ensuring the future generations of success and of confidence and of being able to empower, like embody what it means to be a woman and what we're capable of. Because we're capable of a lot more than people realize. Oh, absolutely. I, I've told this story a hundred times and I'll tell it a thousands more. We took a group of girls back in March uh, down to Texas with Wicked 7 Outdoors and we took them down audad hunting and I was helping guide that hunt on free range audads. We had four girls with us and one of the girls like two weeks before we got there had told me that she was pregnant and she's like, Felicia, you're not gonna let me come. And I was like, bullshit, like you can come you're not, you're pregnant. You're not dying. Like if you feel that this is what you are capable of, I am not going to stop you. Is my motherly nurturing side going to come out and I'm going to tell you to sit. I'm going to make sure you take breaks. I'm going to make sure you're hydrated. I'm going to be feeding you snacks through the day, like for sure. And like you said earlier, where you get that group of women together and you start hunting and you're like, you have each other's back and you're cheerleading each other and everything like that. And to conquer what in a spot in a mountain where many men had given up this woman pushed past that 4,000 feet elevation which I'm sure out in Montana doesn't sound like a whole bunch but down there in those mountains it is straight up and down and every rock is slipping out from underneath of you and this woman along with three other girls and myself and in Austin the, the owner of Wicked 7 we get to the top of this mountain all three of the girls and including myself, are just standing there in awe of the fact that these girls not only got to the top, but got to the top without a complaint, without a thought of backing out. And when they got there, there were tears of joy. Oh, yes. That accomplished moment of, I did this. I have beat the elements. I didn't let the mountain beat me. And literally, like, I think within 15 minutes, she shoots a 29-inch ram. Like, it just, we threw a baby shower on the top of the mountain. Like, I had her her baby shower gift, like, packed in my bag and wouldn't let her, like, come near my bag. Just waiting for the opportunity that she would finally get to get that ram. And it was just a, such a beautiful moment that all of the girls, I mean, just screamed. She forgot, like, what had even, like, happened. She, she was, like just in awe of the fact that I conquered this. I now have my sheep. I'm eight weeks pregnant. I can't believe I did this. And that like that to me is what what we're having this conversation about of of conquering those things of doing these things together of getting there. And I just I had to piece that into there because it is one of those inspirational phenomenal stories of what we can conquer as a sisterhood is unstoppable. It's so beautiful. It really is. And I I just got the chills as you spoke about that, but I had sort of a similar situation this this last summer. Uh, the outfitter that I work for, they bring on uh, a Discover It week where women come out and they learn about all things survival and hunting and tracking. Well, this year's class was a little bit more focused on survival, so first aid, mountain first aid. And on the second to last day, and my good friend, Audrey, she's on our pro staff. She was there from Michigan, seeing the mountains for the very first time. And these ladies wanted to hike up this mountain where we send a lot of our guests, but it's straight up. One of the ladies was wearing jeans. All these ladies were above over 50 years old. And it might've taken us a little bit longer than it would just like take you and I to run up there. But I was so blown away by the amount of support. Like one of the ladies would get vertigo. So she couldn't like look down and back off the mountain. She had to just like stay looking ahead. And the amount of support and encouragement there was really beautiful. And we get up top and sure enough, we're all just like, this is so special. (laughs) Such a, such a moment. But to see those ladies, like they're retired now and 
you know, they can't go as fast as us, but they did it. And mm -hmm. we all did it together, together. And they pushed through no big deal. It was like, no, I'm getting to the top of that mountain. Yeah, I'm tired, but I'm just going to take a break and I'm going to keep going. Like those stories to me are my absolute favorite, like conquering the things that you are so intimidated by and you conquer it. And once you get to that point, that release, that like adrenaline drop that women get. And it's so funny because why, why is it that we like resort to crying? Like it's tears of joy. It's not like it's like this excited adrenaline drop of just burst of energy that like you're exhausted, but you're so excited and you just absorb it. And like, I don't know, I just those are like my favorite, favorite stories of hearing these women conquer something that you would think is impossible at times mm -hmm. and just pushing forward and having that perseverance to just keep going to get to that final destination. And then that reward, which it's funny, because I've always said, like, for me hunting, I am one of those people that I enjoy the suffering. I'm not really big. Like, I don't care if there's a harvest at the end of that. I tell people all the time, like, you need somebody to help you glass or pack, like I'm all in on any hunt at any time, anywhere. And I don't even need to be the one to pull the trigger. That I think is something that when you go through moments like that, if people don't say that they enjoy the suffering, that just proved you wrong because you, you appreciate it differently once you get to that destination. But I, I know we kind of veered off there. Your, this whole thing with Ridge Patrol, I, I don't think that a lot of our listeners maybe have even seen the product. Can you give me the circle and, and go back to that? Can you give me like a little bit of a breakdown of maybe the type of gear you guys have, what's different about it than other, you know, brands that you're seeing in like the durability of it, like that kind of stuff that you guys have worked into these products for the listeners that might be interested in supporting Ridge Patrol and supporting the mission and, and maybe even just connected with some of your words and your wisdom and everything like that. Is there, can you give us a little bit of a lowdown of the gear and, and what people can expect by purchasing it? Sure thing. So we are, like I said, technically we're still small business. So we have our one line right now that is available. It's what we call like a spring fall line. But in reality, I've worn these pieces for four years now throughout the entire year and they perform. So it's a layer system, just like most clothing brands where you're going to have your base layers, your, your mid layers, and then uh, we're working on some, some warmer layers right now. So like, I wouldn't, if you're going to go somewhere where it's negative 10 degrees and really cold, I wouldn't encourage you to wear stuff just because it's more for like being active. And so, but everything is great. It's all made out of recycled materials. Our leggings, our tech top, our tank, and our hoodie are all made out of uh, recycled materials. Everything's made in the U.S. so far. But we are taking that step. Right now, we're in kind of a unique position of going from small business to bigger business. I have taken on the responsibility as co-founder to design our clothing moving on forward. As a hunting guide and an avid outdoors woman, I, I, I feel pretty confident as to, like, what are we missing and, you know, what are some of the things that we need in our gear? And so we currently have Ridge Runner 2.0 pant and a cloudburst jacket, which have completely changed the game for me in the field, especially being a hunting guide and having to like, you've got to be prepared out there. They're made out of waterproof materials. So the jacket is completely waterproof and it 
wind resistant. And so what I like to do is wear that as my top layer and I can wear anything underneath it and stay completely warm and completely dry. And then our Ridge Runner 2.0 pant is like nothing on the market right now. It has all the bells and whistles, you know, the pockets, the side zips for ventilation. It's got the, the, the knees and the thigh along with the backside are waterproof. So you can sit down in glass or you can kneel and those areas are going to stay dry. So it's not like fully waterproof, but the essential areas are made with stretchy material. So they're going to be true to size and it doesn't matter if you're a little bit more curvy, they're still going to fit you and they're going to look really darn good and they're not going to be restrictive. They're going to fit right in the crotch. They're going to fit right in the hips. They're going to fit right. The only thing is if you're tall, we can't accommodate for the petite and the tall yet because that's going to cost us a whole nother boatload of money to start making custom pieces, which we'll get there. That's our goal. And so like, like I said, our first line is really based off like spring, fall, but you can layer in between. So like during rifle season here in Montana, when it was really cold, I was wearing like a fleece long sleeve and then I was wearing our hoodie and then I was wearing our jacket. And then on really cold days, I would throw on a puffy and then I would put our, our rain jacket on the top. So it's all layering system. And with the pants, some nice warm leggings, the pants and some gaiters, and I stayed really comfortable in that. And so as we're growing, I'm going to be designing more pieces. So like right now, we're working on that 2.0 pant, that rain jacket, and we're actually working on uh, some bibs which are really freaking phenomenal. There's nothing like it on the market yet. It's a very intricate piece and it's going to take some time because our body types are so different. And I want any woman to be able to wear these bibs and be able to, you know, be able to pull them up and down no matter what their body shape is. And so that's going to take a little bit of time. And so we're in the process now of taking that step of being super small to where we were only ordering 50 pieces at a time to now with our new manufacturer, which our new manufacturer that we're using knows what they're doing. Like the quality is 200% better than what we had. The seams, the fabrics, the design, everything about it, the zippers, everything is a complete upgrade and it feels so good to, to you're not gonna start out as a startup who doesn't have any education and I don't, I don't have any education in any of this when I started. And so, yeah, our very first pieces, we've come a long way from that. We've grown a ton and I'm super proud of that. And I actually need to give myself more grace and praise for, for the accomplishments we have made. And so we're taking that step now, but in order to, for example, now in order to, to order a pair of pants, we have to order 1,200 pairs of pants. We no longer can place an order of 50. And so... Now we're at that predicament of like, all right, we need to find an investor. Or we need to do some sort of fundraising. How do we fund this? Because we're very confident in our products that we're trying to put out there, but it's, you know, the politics. It's finding the money to be able to do it as a small business. And that's why I keep talking about this importance of supporting small businesses because I'm not doing this to get a paycheck. I'm doing this so you and I can go out no matter where we go, whether we're in the Arizona desert, mountains of Montana, the West Coast, Alaska, wherever it may be, wherever we're hunting or exploring, we're going we're gonna to have the gear that keeps up with us. It takes time. Uh, it takes a lot of money, <laughs> which we're trying to work through. And so what I just want to say is like, 
any way you can support us, it's, it's huge for us as a startup business, whether you are, you share our page on social media or you tell your friends about it, or you come buy a trucker hat or you buy an outfit, every little bit goes a long way to ensure the future confidence of women in the outdoors and for the future generations to be able to experience that as well. So it's been sort of this big realization with me recently of like, okay, take a breath, Dre. Like, what is this really about? It's not about the money. It's not about getting the product made today because that's not going to happen. Like that's on its own other time time frame. Um, but yeah, that's that's who we are at Ridge Patrol. And if you can support us in any way, that is absolutely phenomenal. I handle all of the marketing. I handle all of our gear moving forward. So I design it all. We work with a team. It's like the middleman, I like to call them, where they design, they come up with like a 3D design. They help us with the fabrics. So they send me the fabrics. I pick out the fabrics. They make a prototype. I test out the prototypes. You know, there's a lot of work that goes on in the, in, in the gray area, but we have a solid team that we're walking, working with. It's very reputable. They work with a lot of other companies out there, not just hunting apparel, but other apparel as well. And so we feel really good with our connection with them and our manufacturer. It's just coming up with the money. <laughs> it always comes down to the money. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it, and I think it's important for people to understand, like when they are supporting these smaller businesses, like anything of good quality is going to take time and having that support, having input can be so beneficial to these small businesses that you may think that it's something so minute, but like, like you said, sharing a post or even just the interaction and, and jumping on a grab in a t-shirt or a hoodie or a hat or, or anything like that, that little bit of support goes such a long way with small businesses because unfortunately you're absolutely right. Like financials are a massive part of any company. And as a small company making the jump that you guys are, it's going to change the game for sure. But it's yes. getting to that process and, and it's support that's going to get you there. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's hard in today's age sometimes because everything's so based off technology, right? And everyone wants some free gear to be part of your your pro staff or your ambassadorship. But it's like, I'm sorry, like we don't have, we, we can't just give away all this free stuff. Like right. giving you a free outfit is costing us like $1,500 as a small company, which is huge. And so I always like, I always feel a little bit bad, but it's like, you know, it will mean more to us if you go on to our website and you purchase something and you become, you know, part of the sisterhood and maybe down the road, we can work something out with you. But like, I'm just letting y'all know, like the reality of being a small business, we're not going to be able to just hand out free gear to everyone because it's tough because there's so much competition and it's a pretty saturated market as it is. But I do believe we are, are unique and different from the other women's specific clothing brands out there. And I am really excited to see where we go. And I'm so thankful for the sisterhood and for all the support that we have gotten so far, so far, because we can't do it without any of you guys. Like, in order to be a successful small business, you can't do that on your own unless if you're a millionaire and that's not who we are. So thank right. you all so much for the support. It really means so much to us. Every time we get an order, I'm like jumping up and down and 
wherever I am being like, yes, dreams are happening. It's, it's, mm. it's going, you know, and it really means a lot to us. And, um, I want to portray that more to all of you. And, um, we'll leave some links here where you can, you can check us out and you can always contact me directly too, with any questions regarding the Ridge Patrol gear. Yeah. And we will definitely have all of those links to find Ridge Patrol, to find you, um, in this podcast. Um, so the listeners, when you're listening to this podcast, make sure you check out the thumbnails or the posts behind this, because all those will be in there. I do want to bring back a point that you just brought up though, especially coming from co co-owner of a small business. I've had a lot of people reach out about like, how do you get sponsorships? How do you get like free stuff? And I'm like, stop asking for it. Mm -hmm. Support. Like I always tell people, if you want to be a part of something, make sure that you've tried the gear, make sure that you like what you're supporting. I think that that's one thing that I think irks me the most. Um, I've turned down some very large opportunities being asked to, give a false opinion of what I thought of something. If you want to really support, support these businesses, grab a couple pieces of gear and find out whether it's what you are like, if it, if it meets your morals, it meets your values. They're sharing the same mission. They're great people, which Ridge Patrol a thousand percent is, but make sure that you're doing that and supporting them first before you start asking for things, because I see it a lot. And I'm, I'm asked a lot by people of like, you know, I want to, I want to be sponsored by this. How do I do it? I'm like, okay, have you been buying their stuff? Well, no. Do you own anything of theirs? Well, no. Why do you want to then? Like, is it just a name? Like learn what you're asking for. And I don't mean that in like, I'm not trying to be like nasty about it or, or be negative about it, but support these people because they damn sure deserve it. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of effort that goes into it. And kind of learn who's making it and what their mission is and see if it lines with your values opposed to just jumping on a tr gravy train of getting free product. It really should never be about that, especially like small businesses work so hard to get to where they're at. Like you said, they can't afford to just hand it out. Even asking for discounts and things like that, when they can offer them up, it's great. But ordering the true market value of something can mean a whole lot more. And I'm sure you guys see that a lot is like, you got a girl that's wearing your stuff, you're going to reach out to that person and be like, hey, opposed to reaching out to somebody that has never bought or purchased any of your gear. So I, I think that's a, a big part of it too, that like you said previously in all this, the highlight reel, it's not always about that. And there's a lot on the back end that I think gets forgotten when people get so focused on that promotional value that there should mm -hmm. still be morals behind what you're supporting. I agree. So we are going to take another short break and hear from our closing sponsors. And we're going to be back to kind of do a final recap with Andrea and dig in a little bit into her photography. And now to the final segment to this week's episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We will conclude this segment by thanking our closing sponsors. Stay tuned for more of this week's episode after this short word from our sponsors. Muzzy Pheasant Farms, a mid-Michigan family-owned and operated pheasant game preserve, that is open year round. Muzzy offers educational courses and hunts. They are family oriented, creating a great opportunity for new and seasoned upland hunters. With no membership required, come hunt with Muzzy Pheasant Farms. You can find more information at muzzypheasantfarms.com 
or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Blast and Cast Guide Service is a veteran-owned and operated Michigan-based guide service for the Great Lakes. With decades of experience of fishing and waterfowl, they ensure a safe and enjoyable trip every time. You can check them out at BlastingCastGuideService.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Ultimate Veteran Adventures. UVA offers outdoor therapy, recreation, and camaraderie through hunting and fishing adventures around the country for veterans, active duty military, Gold Star families, and first responders. You can find them at UltimateVeteranAdventures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, a husband and wife owned and operated company, the home of the C4, one of the best trapping canine lures on the market. You can find them at sawmillcreekbaitandlures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Wicked 7 Outdoors, a Southwest Texas outfitter guide service with an exceptional care and quality of backcountry mountain hunts for free range audad. Also offering high fence and low fence exotics, come immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. You can find Wicked 7 Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. Misguided Outdoors is a female-driven Michigan-based guide service offering turkey and waterfowl hunts. Misguided is focused on educating women and youth, providing a hands-on hunt experience for all ages. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Welcome back. So we have had a spectacular episode here, and we've dug into Andrea as a, as a person, as a guide, as the co-owner of Ridge Patrol and all of their fantastic products and supporting small businesses, the triumphs and tribulations that women have came together through. There is one final piece to all of this that we really, we've touched on it here and there. I'm not sure if our listeners have picked up on, but you actually do outdoor photography as well. And I would love to hear about that, what your mission is with capturing what you, your passion in capturing is and where people can find you if they want you to participate in maybe an event that they're doing or a hunt that they're doing that they want those memories captured. So it's crazy, Felicia, this conversation, I feel like is coming full circle. We're, <laughs> go, we're going back to what my, my story is, what we first started talking about. And when I would run away from home in that state of fight or flight, oftentimes I would grab my mom's camera and I would say, hey, mom, my excuse, you know, I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to just go in the woods and take some pictures. I'll be back in a few hours. And she didn't think anything of it. She's like, OK. But in the meantime, I was just like, ah, fight or flight. What's going on? I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable. I need to get out in the woods. And so I would take her camera and I would go out. And my passion with photography started when I was really, really young. She, she would buy me the one-time use digital cameras when we would go camping or when I would go to a church camp, you know, it was usually something special and I would get them developed. And I thought it was just the greatest thing. And, and then as I grew into my teens and started having that experience of just wanting to be outside away from the house, I would use my mom's camera as an excuse. And a lot of times I would find wildlife out there and I would say, Hey, how close can I get to that deer? Because mm -hmm. this lens only goes so far. And so I was a lot of times when I'm like putting a stock on animals, I think back to being a young girl in the rainforest of Washington with the camera and using the topography or the trees or, you know, some of the foliage to, to get in close. And I was sort of setting myself up 
for success as a child, as a hunting guide. And I didn't realize when I was young that that's what I was doing was, you know, photography behind the house was sort of my escape. And sometimes I would go out and I would, I would never take a photo, but you know, that's what I told mom I was doing. And then high school, I took photography all four years. So learn like the fundamentalists of the film and learning how to develop film and everything. And then, you know, into Photoshop, learning how to work with imagery online and Photoshop and actually photographed my very first wedding, my sophomore year of high school. And at that time, there's so much pressure of like, what do you want to do after high school? What do you want to be? And I was like, oh, I want to have my own photography studio. And so I really jumped into portrait photography. And after a few years, I just found it kind of draining uh, because it was more of like a job than a hobby and decided to just like kind of focus on the landscape stuff. So my experience is very diverse. Like I have been doing portrait photography essentially forever and wildlife photography or landscape photography essentially forever as well. So photography has just been one of those things where I've been doing my whole life and I love it. I love having a camera in my hand. And now that that guide season's over, I'm really trying to focus my energy on things that I love to do that sort of fuel my fire and things that I'm passionate about, which is photography, which is educating others. My brand, obviously, Ridge Patrol. And, you know, I'm sure that helped with my position at Ridge Patrol was my experience with the camera. And so I've gone out and I've documented some hunts all just because I love doing it and I haven't made a business out of it, but I'm sort of in transition now of turning that into a business versus something that I I just do as a hobby. But I love having a camera in my hand and I love where it takes me. I love the people I meet. I've captured many weddings and seeing the love at a wedding has always been really magical you know you when you're the photographer at a wedding you're also the uh you're like what do they call it you're you're telling people all right it's time for this let's go you know hey it's you know you're you're the wedding organizer at that point but yeah I've had I've had uh the privilege to hunt hunt along some pretty amazing women and and capture it and that's up on our our YouTube as well but it's just one of those things where that's what I've known for my whole life and I love it. I it's anytime I have a camera in my hand, it's it's like time to make magic happen. So Yes, absolutely. And like there's just something about capturing moments in a hunt. So for instance, I took my dad to South Africa two years ago now for his very first harvest in my lifetime. And we had a videographer with us and Sean over in Africa, Southern Cross Productions followed us around for our entire hunt and captured photos captured and I mean like raw photos not like not like posed pictured photos I'm talking like the raw moments of the hugs the tears the celebrations you know the beers at sunset those photos are something that I feel we don't see it's starting to become a thing but we never used to see that right like we would never get what like that candid photo of 
of Anna Hunt or like that memorable photo of Anna Hunt when you have those raw moments. And I have to say, like, it's something that I am starting to be so drawn towards is capturing those and seeing those from other photographers because it's pieces of a hunt that you get to take home with you after that. That memory subsides. That moment has subsided, but the memory gets to stay because of that photo. So like I've encouraged a lot of people when they do a hunt and, you know, especially when you're doing it with a loved one and in my case, like with my dad or with my kids, I love nothing more than to make sure that there's a photographer there. And I don't care if they ever get posted, but I take all of those photos home and I put them in picture books and they live there on my my coffee table when people come to my house and they'll pick them up and flip through them and they're like oh my gosh and it brings back memories that I forget about like you forget about things in the moment or like your day-to-day life gets busy of the stir and the bustle and the hustle and to sit down and look back at some of those pictures of whether it's you know out hunting with my kids or fishing with my dad or experiencing South Africa for the first time together it like it is it's something I really hope to start seeing more especially these women's groups I think they're starting to like really catch on to that but I love seeing those moments and those raw moments like I'm not a big fan of the post photos but when you're capturing those laughs in the blinds or or that first little Debbie cake that gets broke open or (laughs) or even like that that look on your face when you just missed a shot like those are the photos that I love seeing um yeah so if somebody did want to get in contact with you to get photos taken for a hunt a wedding whatever it may be where could somebody find you do you have a, a specific page for your photography or do they just contact you directly yeah so I'm kind of like a little all over the board because I also handle Ridge Patrol so it's like Anyone who contacts us on Ridge Patrol, I'm the one who sees it. I also have my own personal Instagram and I also have a website that's dedicated towards my photography and my writing. So you can leave like a contact me through my website, which is whatsyourwild.net. And there you can see my portfolio. I I don't have any videos on there. It's all photography and uh, writing. So my blogs, uh, but that's an easy way to to contact me there. I love that. And I I hope that you find more success down that avenue. Um, I know that it's something that like photography is something that you either have a passion for it or you don't. And some people just like to take photos, but there's, there's a lot more intricate work when you have a professional photographer there or has the eye for it. And like I said, capturing those moments of memories that generations to come are going to look back and see like, you never know what tomorrow holds. And I used to be the person that hated photos until I picked up a camera or, you know, I went through a really traumatic event in my life where I didn't have photos with someone that I lost. And it changed everything for me. And I, I think people need to take a step back and, and think about that, that it doesn't necessarily have to be about the social media posts, but capturing those moments. And, and I think hiring a photographer to be there or having someone there that is solely focusing on the photos is important because sometimes you get out there and people are more worried about getting those Instagram photos and things like that, that they're not participating in the hunt. If you want to participate in your hunt and you want to be there in the moment, I think it's really important to have a photographer there with you if it's a a hunt that that you're going to cherish and you want to cherish for a long period of time yeah and especially if you're like trying to make the harvest like that's something I I find is I carry my camera with me when I'm guiding but half the time I don't take any photos because I'm so focused on guiding my client right Right. sometimes I just want to hunt and I don't have to worry about pictures so I won't even bring my camera because if I bring my camera (laughs) that's what I'm focusing on is pictures but I just want to hunt you know so (laughs) it's like sometimes hiring that photographer and 
that's something I'm looking into is essentially what I want to do is document hunts, document events specifically geared towards women's hunts, uh, because the sisterhood, the confidence, the camaraderie, the education, the inspiration, all of that is is very important to me. And I've been uh, blessed to see a bit of it in these last few years of my career. And those are the things I, I, I'm passionate about. And so I want to share those. So if you're hearing, if you're hearing me here and you need someone, you, you let me know. Oh, you heard it from her. So you, um, you have been an inspiration to say the least. And if people are listeners tune in and they hear this and they're inspired by you in any way and decide they want to follow you, would you mind dropping all of the social media plugs where people can find you and even the websites to find you Ridge Patrol? I know you just did the photography, but do you mind giving a final recap of where people can find those resources? So if you're looking for some women specific gear and you want to support small owned women business that are doing it for the right reasons, you can head to our website at ridgepatrol.com. Our YouTube is also just Ridge Patrol. And our Instagram as well is Ridge Patrol. So all pretty easy to remember. And if you want to find me directly, you can go to my Instagram, which is what's underscore your underscore wild. I actually want to change that because I hate the underscores, (laughs) Uh, but it's hard. It's already taken. And then my website where you can find my photography, you can find my blog. You can also find the link to my autobiography of what's her wild and untold story, which is a inspirational memoir. That's going to get your ass off the couch and outside. You can also find that on my website at whatsyourwild.net. I love that. Um, really appreciate you coming on and I'm absolutely blessed for the opportunity to get to know you and I I look forward to what the future holds for you because you are such a beautiful person such an inspirational person such a raw person that I just wish there was more people like this out there and I think a lot of people are going to resonate with who you are and I just want you to know how much I appreciate you and everything that you do thank you Felicia I really appreciate your feedback and your kind words and You know, you and I have been following each other on social media for a long time, and we've finally been able to connect. And I've had a really great time chatting with you today, and I really appreciate our time spent together. And like you said, maybe one person will hear this and they can be inspired. And we've we've done our job. Absolutely. A thousand percent agree with you on that. So I uh, appreciate having you on. Women of the Wild appreciates you and everything that you're doing, especially that focus of getting women in the outdoors and that inspiration and just truly backing them. We gave you the plugs of where to find her, but also please know that all of those links will be in this thumbnail. We want to say thank you to all of our listeners, to all of our sponsors. Had some really great sponsors over the last two years that continue to support us, some new ones. Some of these sponsors have really, really honed in on supporting women and providing that education and opportunity that we thrive for. We also, we ran our our 2024 calendar which is already sold out so thank you to everyone who purchased your 2024 calendars supporting these women in the outdoors showcasing from women all over the nation we also want to let you know that the wild game cookbook the volume two is bigger and better than last year's we do still have those left and if you want to see some wild game recipes or don't know how to cook something we got you at womenofthewild.net. You can go on it and find it there. We have merchandise coming for the new year. We have a ton more events coming up and hopefully a lot more connections with girls just like you, Andrea, to get in the outdoors together and build that sisterhood and that camaraderie 
and we look forward to having an even bigger and better year throughout 2024. So thank you for listening and we can't wait to see all of you out in the field and see those photos, hear those stories and be a part of your sisterhood.